Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehila Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Praise the Lord. How many are just excited? Like you can just feel it in the air. You can feel the energy. You can feel the Holy Spirit. You can feel God moving. Something's happening. You know, as we were worshiping and everything, you know, I I had the privilege uh, I had the express tour with the Lord. He kind of took me real quick from a backslidden Catholic to born again, to the Baptist church, to word of faith, to a Baptist church. And then I got my Hebrew roots. It's a whirlwind tour. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Like in three years, boom, boom, all this happened. And so I'm real big on, on the Pentecostal movement. Any Pentecostals in the house? Assembly of God, word of faith. Amen. Thank you. Because this message is for you. So as I was sitting there, I was reminded, and I just want to remind all of you as well, Something incredible happened over 100 years ago. Could you tell me what happened over 100 years ago that was a great move of God? How many of you even experienced it? Three of you. Thank you. Saw Joanne's hand go up. No, I don't think so. I remember I was there. How many of you are familiar with the Azusa Street Revival? All right. The Pentecostals are like, yeah, you go, bro. Come on, preach it. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I was in the Word of Faith movement, and they had camp meetings. And let me tell you, it was awesome. And, and there was no camping, but there's a lot of meetings. But it was just an incredible move of the Holy Spirit. I mean, really and truly, I can't tell you how, what great memories I had of experiencing God and the presence of God, and even the cloud would come into the sanctuary. And guess what? Those days are not gone. That was just the beginning. You know, Tommy came here, and, and I, he, he preached Tommy preached, Mr. Waller preached, and I received what he preached, and it was good, right? Because he can preach because he's from Tennessee. But I want to read to you a little bit about the Azusa Street Revival because here's this interesting thing, everybody. God didn't bring you Pentecostals along to leave you hanging. He wants you to take the Holy Spirit and go to the next level. He wants us to go to the next level. And you know the menorah is a picture of the Holy Spirit. You guys need to understand this because there's a lot of goofiness out there. There's a lot of false teachings and false prophets. All you got to do is look at the Word of God and look at the template, look the way God laid something out because the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. So you got to understand that the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith, it's not a move of God. Oh, look, here's a move of God. Let me tell all of you something. It is the move of God. Amen? Now, now think about this. In, in this movement, there's a lot of bad stuff. It's kind of like politics. You got to have politics, but there's some bad stuff in it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And so with that, you need to understand something, that with that menorah, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, God led you guys to the table of showbread where you were introduced to the Shabbat because the bread's changed out every Shabbat, and there's 12 loaves, which represents the tribes, which is, of course, what? Your identity. How many know what I'm talking about? You pulled the curtain back, and you said, oy vey, you know, oh, my gosh. So behind me is the altar of incense. This is prophetically where we're at. I know I've been at the table of showbread for a number of years, 
But God said, bring out the altar of incense because now it's time to pray. It's the last piece of furniture found in the tabernacle. Now, some of you are wondering, well, where am I in the tabernacle? You're not trying to get into the Holy of Holies. How many of we already have access to the Holy of Holies because of Yeshua? The veil was torn from top to bottom because Yahweh wanted to get out to get to you. Now, I'm just telling you what's going on here because this opportunity is incredible. I'm telling you, I've been in this movement for 25 years, and it's getting really good now. Once you hit this piece of furniture, it's over. We're in the last days. Now, think about the Holy of Holies as God's sitting on the throne, and he has the ark, and, and the angel's wings are the backrest. How many of the ark is, is like a, a chariot? I mean, really, it, it, it's an ark, and, and there's a mercy seat, okay? All right, it didn't say an end table. A mercy seat is something you sit on. So what is he sitting on? What's inside the ark? He's sitting on Aaron's rod. He's sitting on the manna. And he's sitting on what? The Ten Commandments. So what he's saying, Pastor Nick, if you'll notice that when you come to him, this is a good word, isn't it? I'm telling you, I'm getting a good word right now. Because I want you to understand. In all you're getting, get understanding. Don't just come and worship. That was a great service. And then go by. No, you need to be impacted, imprinted with the things of God. He needs to get our attention because it'll, it'll clean up your life. Nobody will pray for you. You'll just get a, a download. I was telling my wife this morning. Everybody needs a download of something from God. You need a download to propel you through all this chaos and confusion because order is coming in the earth. This too will blow over, this whole pandemic and everything. But if you think about it, what God is saying, that I'm on the throne, and by the way, you know, if you want to be in my kingdom, the rod represents leadership. Aaron's rod, leadership. You have to have leadership in your life and accountability. It also represents what? You've got his, he's got the constitution. He's sitting on the Ten Commandments. He's like, you got to have rules. You got to have do's and don'ts. You got to know what to do, what not to do. You need to know that. You can't just be a free-for-all. Matter of fact, thank you, Holy Spirit. The book of Judges is actually about everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And then what had to happen? God created the monarchy. Okay. So what I'm saying is this, and it's interesting, and then what else is in there? Of course, the manna's provision. So what God is saying is that when you come to my throne, there will be leadership, there will be provision, and there will be my commandments. Amen? And in this movement, there's a lot of people who are like, I want manna, and I want commandments, but I don't want leadership. Ooh, it's getting quiet in here. Did you hear the crickets? Let me read to you the Azusa Street Revival. Over 100 years ago, it was a historic revival meeting that took place in Los Angeles, California. Get it? Los Angeles? Los Angeles? Okay, some of you didn't get that. Los Angeles. Don't you think that there needs to be another Azusa Street in Los Angeles? It was led by William J. Seymour, an African-American preacher. Oh, boy. The start... On the three-year revival began on April the 9th, 1906. Notice it's spring. And seven men were waiting on God on Bonnie Bray Street when suddenly, as though hit by a bolt of lightning, they were knocked from their chairs to the floor and the other seven men began to speak in tongues and shout out loud, praising God. The news quickly spread. The city was stirred. Crowds gathered and a few days later, Seymour himself received the Holy Spirit. Service was, was moved outside to accommodate the crowds who came from all around. People fell down under the power of God as they approached. 
People were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and the sick were healed, and sinners received salvation. To further accommodate the crowds, an old dilapidated two-story frame building at 312 Azusa Street in the industrial section of the city was secured. This building originally built for an African Methodist Episcopal Church, the AME, baby, come on, somebody had more recently been used as a livery stable, storage building, and tenement house. In this humble Azusa Street mission, a continuous three-year revival occurred and became known around the world. Stanley H. Frotsham, in his book, with signs following, quotes an eyewitness description of the scene. The revival was characterized by spiritual experiences accompanied with testimonies of physical healing miracles, worship services, and speaking in tongues. The participants were criticized by some secular media and Christian theologians for behaviors considered to be outrageous and unorthodox, especially at the time. Today, the revival is considered by historians to be the primary catalyst for the spread of Pentecostalism in the 20th century. So what are you saying, Pastor Nick? What I'm saying is that, man, I'm telling you right now, I believe the Beit Tehillah is a Brownsville. I'm telling you. I'm telling you right now, I believe this place, it's, it's happening. It's starting to happen. All we have to do is line up. Because I'm going to tell you, Pastor Tiff and Timothy coming to prayer on Mondays with Miss Ruth, and, and we revamped it, and, and, and Timothy Colbo was, was pretty much in the word of faith for many, many years, and he's not here by accident. He's here because he's like, listen, you Pentecostals. You're not getting unemployment anymore. You better show up to work because we need to be praying in tongues and have interpretation of tongues, and we, we, need, we need to be praying like we never prayed before. You know, the devil can't understand tongues. People say that's gibberish. Sure is to the devil because he can't figure it out. See, it's a heavenly language, everybody. I'm not telling everyone to do it. I'm just telling you, we, we need the gift of tongues. You had the gift of tongues, and you, what? It's time for the gift of tongues to come out of the closet. You know why? Tongues is for the unbeliever. And it edifies. When you do it by yourself, it edifies. When you do it in public, right, there needs to be interpretation. It's real simple, everybody. Why would Paul say, I speak in tongues more than all of you? Why would he even say that? Why? Because tongues is a gift. Don't you want it? I want the gifts. So what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying this Pentecostal movement is going to go Hebrew-costal. We're going Hebrew-costal. No, we're going Hebrew-costal. Can't you feel it? You can feel it, right? I, listened, I, li- I, I was listening to everything Tommy Waller was saying and writing down the, 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 the outline, the tidbits, like, oh, my gosh, and I was getting it. Man, some of you are like the road to Emmaus. Hey, where are you going? Going to Beit Tehillah. Shabbat Shalom. You know, you just got to mess with people. You got to say, man, where are you going? I'm going to the Mikra. Right? What's the Mikra? What is it? It's a convocation. Mishpacha is family. But, But here's the thing, everybody. It makes perfect sense now. If God laid out the tabernacle, as a matter of fact, from an aerial view, you could see the cross. I don't believe in the cross. Well, then don't go up above the tabernacle. Because that's how the furniture is, you know. So, so what I'm talking, we got to get away from all this foolishness and stupidity and focus on what's at hand. 
And here it is, the first day of summer, everyone. Have you ever heard of the season of summer? I've taught it, haven't I? So without further ado, let's just check out. So I want to build a little foundation here for you so you can understand what's happening. There is a progressive revelation of God's redemptive plan happening right now. And it is for you. It is for us. And guess what? It is an opportunity. And I thank God for that opportunity. So there's this chapter. And if you want to follow along real quick here, this is my, this is my monologue. He always does a monologue. Good. That's why I don't have enough time. Why? Because if I don't share my heart, I don't give birth to this baby, I'm going to be bloated. I never leave here bloated. I leave here, I deliver at least a 10-pounder every week. I do, a 10-pounder, and, and you know, and, and I'm just saying to all of you that I just have to be obedient. And then when I release it, I feel so much better. Oh, I told him, I, I told him what God wanted me to say. I wasn't afraid, you know. So the breach of promise. So this is titled Admonitions from Israel's History. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 11. This is my little introduction here because I want you to understand something, that Paul understood the Torah. He was teaching the Torah to the Gentiles. He was bringing them along, amen. He was not schizophrenic. He kept Torah. And I hate this Christian commentary, and this is what they've done because they're ignorant. Say they're ignorant. They're ignorant. They, they say things like this. Well, Paul did the Torah because he was Jewish. But, but, but the Gentiles don't have to do that. He's the apostle to the Gentiles. He's the rabbi. Now, listen, I'm a Jew. I do all these things, but you don't have to. Doesn't make any sense. Does that make sense? No. And this isn't about going after the church or we're right and they're wrong. This is about you going after God. I'm going to the altar of incense. I'm telling you, I had so many confirmations with God and Tommy, I couldn't even write it all down. I'm thinking, Lord, you told me that. You showed me that. Tommy gets up here and shares these things. I said, Lord, you said that to me already. Tommy's the second witness. I could tell you a lot of things, at least top 10 list of things that God downloaded to me that Tommy shared from right up here. I can share you where guests came from Israel and gave us a word, and they weren't even believers in Jesus. Orthodox Jews gave us a word. Because God can use anybody or anything to get the message. And we it's fun, you know, it's fun. So this is what he says to the Corinthian church. He says, moreover, brethren, I would not that you should, that you should be ignorant. Oh, there we are, we're ignorant. How that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Notice he said our fathers. He didn't say my fathers. Our fathers. And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. He was the first rolling stone. It wasn't Mick Jagger. Stop me up. You know, no, it's Jesus. And I, I could never figure this out. Let me tell you guys something. Being in Hebrew is for 25 years makes you dangerous. So I'm thinking, wait a minute, this rock followed them in the wilderness. So what does that tell you? That means Jesus was at Mount Sinai. Wait a minute, I thought Jesus just popped up in the New Testament. Little baby Jesus in the step. Oh, there's Jesus, here he is, he's coming now. No, he was at Mount Sinai. <laughs> oh. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Listen, this is his own family, his own children. This is not even the world. 
Now, these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Don't have a PowerPoint. You can go back and look at this, 1 Corinthians 10. I mean, this thing's wore out. This part of the church of Corinth is just wore out. So lust is number one because there's five tests. Now, lust is the first one. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. That's idolaters or idolatry. So don't lust, don't have idolatry. Number three, this is verse eight. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and 20,000. See, the golden calf incident led them from idolatry to what? Sexual immorality, to fornication. As a matter of fact, the word fornication is the Greek word pornea. It's where we get porno. That's why it's so rampant right now. It's a billion-dollar business. Billions of dollars are spent in pornography. Why? It's because we're in the last days. It's the occult and sexual immorality are hitting us heavy. We got to draw the line somewhere. So you've got lust, idolatry, and fornication. And then number three, neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of the serpents. Don't tempt the Lord. That's the fourth thing. Last but not least, oh, you guys are like, I'm good. I'm doing so good. Well, I'm getting ready to blow you out of the water right now. Verse 10 of chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians to the Corinthian church, neither murmur as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Wow. So think about that. Lust, idolatry, fornication, don't tempt the Lord, and murmuring. There's the five tests. So he's basically telling the the church of Corinth, they did all these things. You really shouldn't be doing these. Don't do these things. Learn from their examples. Now, all these things happened to them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. He's saying that at the last days, all of this will be taking place. Pass the test. I'm giving you the answers to the test. Amen. Happened to them for types. You know, I don't go in there and beat up these people. There's a little bit of Judas Iscariot in all of us. There's a little bit of Pontius Pilate in every one of us. Have you ever just said that? Hey, I washed my hands of that. Uh, maybe not. How about, I love this one. Hey, they made their bed. Let them lay in it. Pontius Pilate. See, we all got it in us. But that's just that's just 11 verses. That's the opening. Now, I taught this last year. And what I love about God is like, I can't believe he's teaching this again. I know most of you probably won't even remember last year. I don't know why I'm telling you. He taught this last year. Yeah, and I'm going to teach it again because a good rabbi repeats himself. Because why? This is a timeless teaching for right now. Because I'm telling you, it's happening. Everything that happened back then, it's happening now. And where is it happening? In here and around us and in the movement. Come on, somebody. Are you ready? Here we go. I'm going to get through the 10 promises of God found in the Abrahamic covenant. If you want this PowerPoint, just contact Kathy. Say, please email me this PowerPoint. Don't try to keep up because they're going to give me cards and I'm going to throw them. Some of you didn't get that. Here we go. I'm going to lay out a little foundation now because we have the breach of promise, the breach of promise. Ten promises of God found in the Abrahamic covenant. Now, Moses uh, is thrown out. The Mosaic covenant is just kind of disregarded. It's been done away with. But the Abrahamic covenant is misunderstood, misinformed, and a lot of people are ignorant about this covenant. First of all, what's the first thing that's going to be given as a promise? Land. Land. Amen? It's Vegas. It's Vegas. 
I've had people tell me, Lou, I love Vegas. You know, I don't gamble, but the food is so good there because they want you to spend money on gambling, so they bring the price down for food. I'm like, I want to go there with my family. Bring the price down for food? It's true. Now, that's found in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 and verse 7. Also, Genesis um, chapter 13, verses 14 and verses 14 and 15, chapter 15, verses 7 and 18. For the audio, I'm going to give this announcement. Okay, uh, one of the promises is land. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay, now number two, what about a great nation? From Abraham would become a great nation. Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, Genesis chapter 18, verse 18. Can you tell me what that nation is? That's right, Israel. Number three, this is one of the, Ten promises, number three, to be blessed. Genesis 12, 2. Guess what? You don't have to do anything. Just say it. I'm blessed. I'm blessed, I'm blessed because I know in my position you're blessed. Say, I'm blessed. You don't have to work at it. Like it's just, it's just, it's given to you. Genesis 12, 2. Moving on. Number four. A great name would come forth from the Abrahamic covenant. How many of you know that? Does Abraham have a great name? See, I tell you what, this is so funny. People get so jacked up over religion and, and all these other things. But I'm going to tell you right now, God created Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Think about it. He let it happen through what? Through his children. So is it his problem? That's their faith. There's Ishmael, there's Isaac, right? And everyone's jockeying for that firstborn position. I got to get in that position. And that's what's happening even among Christianity, they say, oh, we got to put Jesus on the throne. And, and then the Jews are like, no, it's Isaac. And the Arabs are saying, no, it's Ishmael. You know, And so there's this fight going on between the siblings. Even the Jews know that Ishmael is related to them. They know it. And they know the animosity. They understand it. That's why you'll see a lot of Jewish people, they just want to get along with the Arabs because they know that they're related. Seriously, that's deep. But what does Ishmael want to do? Kill Isaac. You know, because what's the prophecy for Ishmael? His hand would be against everyone. Everyone's hand would be against him. Now, now Catholicism, the Roman Catholics, it's the largest religious institution in the world. But if I'm not mistaken, Islam has surpassed Catholicism as far as religion. That's billions, folks. That's a lot of people. This ain't no joke. This is real. In case you don't know, historically, uh, uh, Islam was stopped twice from taking over the world. You know that Islam wants to take over the world. You know that, right? Seriously. I, I saw some, some different uh, documentaries and different things. They're, they're saying that if God doesn't intervene, Islam will take over the world in sheer numbers. So what does that tell all of us? Come quickly, Lord Jesus. <laughs> Come now. Right now. So we need to know all these things. Why? Because the time is at hand. You were born for such a time as this. You were born for such a time as this. So this great name among Abraham is among Christians and Jews and Islam. Abraham has a great name. He's Father Abraham, right? And he had many sons. And many sons had Father Abraham. I'm one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. You know, it's kind of cool when you, like, say a song. You just kind of say it, but you don't sing it because you know what I'm doing. You got it because some of you can't sing. Number five, we're halfway there, folks. We are halfway there. We're into this thing. Listen, 
if you are in the covenant of Abraham, you will be a blessing to others. Have you ever had people just say, why did you do that for me? Why did you do And you can just say, because I wanted to. Well, what, what do you want back? What's, what's, what do you want? I go, this is for you. There's no strings attached. Nobody even knows what I'm doing. I want to give this to you. This is, this is for me to you. Isn't that cool? Be a blessing to others. Are you a blessing to others or a pain in the neck? Do people run from you or do they run to you? Oh, no, there he is, you know. Now, I know people run from me that used to come here because I see them out in public and I go towards them. And the shopping cart can go only go so fast. And then that wheel starts spinning around real fast. Oh, he caught us. How are you guys doing? Uh, hi. How are you? I said, I just saw you. I wanted to say hi. And if you had your tennis shoes on, you might have outrun me. But didn't have them on today. Had your dress shoes on. I caught you. <laughs> because you know what? I don't need to fear anybody. Why hide from people? Why be ashamed of people? Why be like, oh, there they are. You know, think about it. The person that gave you the hardest time, would you pull over and help them on the side of the road? Some of you would. Maybe some of you might even run them over. I don't know. I worked at a box plant. I had a guy tell me, I can't stand that guy. I'm like, listen, I know he's a little difficult. He goes, man, if I saw him on the side of the road, I would run him over. And I went, what are you saying? That's terrible. He goes, I know, but I would. I'm like, then I start interceding for my boss, you know. Lord, there's people that want to run him over. Please keep him off the side of the road. Give him traveling mercies. Protect him. You know, I'm just telling you what's going on. People, you know, let me tell you something. If somebody says something, they'll do it. Oh, I don't don't believe them. See, Israel takes the threat seriously. When, When Iran says we're going to wipe him off the face of the earth, we're going to throw him in the sea, they mean it. They're not playing around. Now, it's only by God's grace that there hasn't been a war with Israel and Iran, to be honest with you. So, so just keep this in mind. So moving down to number six, uh, God blesses those who bless. Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. Genesis chapter 27, verse 29. What does that mean? God blesses those who bless. So when somebody blesses you because you're his son and you're his daughter, God says, wow, you did good. I'm going to bless you. That's happened a lot to me. I've had people tell me that, you know, I, I did this for you. And I, it goes, and then just incredible things started happening for me. And God reminded me that God blesses those who bless. Now, here's the good news. Number seven, God curses those who curse. God's got your back. Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. Genesis chapter 27, verse 29. See, let me share something with all of you. We are more blessed now at Beit Tehillah because of the coronavirus and having Jewish people here than ever before ever before. Seriously, bar none. But see, God takes the foolish things to confound the wise. So why are you saying that, Pastor? Because let me tell you something. When we bless the Jewish people, God will bless us. And let me tell you something. I got a lot of kids. I got another daughter coming, and I heard there's going to be a lot of money for weddings. I don't know, but I need to bless the Jewish people right now. I need to bless them right now. Every single one of them, I don't care, their cat, their dog, I will bless them. Why? Because it'll come on you. Have you ever noticed that? I'm going to share one one quick thought here about about the Jewish people. So you get thinking, well, I never thought about it like that. It's like a Prager University thing, you know. You watch Prager University. Wow, that's really good. They laid that out really right to the point. Have you ever noticed, why do we treat the Jewish people any differently for not having Jesus when we don't do that to our own family and coworkers? It's anti-Semitism. It's secret. It's hidden. 
you have anti-Semitism, and you don't even realize it. You don't go to work. Man, you need Jesus. You better get Jesus, right? You're going to have to quit. Right? Oh, family reunion? I'm not going unless you all have Jesus. I'm not coming. It's going to be a long day for you. You're not going to see your family. Because maybe you're the only one in the family. You guys laugh. <laughs> it's comical what we do to the Jewish people. Oh, they don't have Jesus. They're blinded to Jesus. Stay away from them. Your own siblings don't even have Jesus. You don't treat them like that. I'm not your brother. No, I'm not your brother anymore. I need you to be my brother in the Lord. You need Jesus. When you get him, call me. We'll be brothers in the Lord. Father, Dad, listen, I got a heavenly father. He saved me. He wants to save you. You need Jesus right now. You call me when you get him, and we'll celebrate Father's Day together. We don't do that, do we? Isn't that ridiculous? Look, the cards are already coming out. He fixed that one. That one's going in the shredder. I got to move on here. Number eight, in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. In the Hebrew, it means in Abraham, everybody will have to be grafted in. Well, what are you saying? Because there's natural branches and there's wild branches. And remember in Romans, and we're going to go over this real quick here. In Romans, remember the, the natural branches were broken off. Why? So that we could be grafted in and be just like them. So what, the, what Paul is saying even in Romans, he says, how great will that day be when they are grafted back in? <laughs> how great will be that day? See? Wow, we just truck along. We just truck along here. How about this? Genesis chapter 17, verses 4 through 6. Many nations would come forth from Abraham. Uh, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa. So I want to encourage you because we're so down on the news and everything that's happening and all these things when in fact God is in control of the whole thing. Amen? Well, how do you know that, Nick? Because I was out by the pool for nine weeks. And he said, it's going to be okay, and I'm out by the pool. Of course it is. I'm out by the pool. Everything's okay. You know, when Abraham, the Jewish sages have this thing, this commentary, which is kind of interesting, between Abraham and Sarah, like, who's guilty of, of not having the child? Is it Abraham or is it Sarah? And they say that Sarah was like telling Abraham, I'll tell you what, go on to Hagar, and I'll, I'll prove it to you. And it's you. It's not me not getting credit. It's you, right? So what happened? Whoa, whoa. Got an Ishmael. Sarah's like, well, I guess it ain't you. <laughs> See how this is all playing out? And what had to happen? Hagar and Ishmael had to leave. Had to leave and go their separate ways. But what did Abraham do when Sarah died? It's not good for man to be alone. I think he had the book of Genesis, part of it maybe, I don't know, maybe his own version. It's not good for a man to be alone. So what did he do? He married. Who did he marry? Keturah, who bore him a son called Midian, which today is Saudi Arabia. Oh, the Midianites are so sweet. Midianites. The son was Midian from Abraham. Thanks, thanks, Dad. Thanks for that, brother. The Midianites. So once again, many nations. Last but not least, 
the last promise of God found in the Abrahamic covenant towards his people. Number 10, exceedingly fruitful, multiply exceedingly. Genesis chapter 12, verse 7, Genesis 13, 16, Genesis 15, verse 5, Genesis 17, verse 7, uh, Genesis 22, verses 17 and 18. So, so people would say to my wife and I, how can you afford to have all these children? And I'm like, you know what? We can't afford not to have children. We need to have these children. We can't afford not to have children. We need the children. You know, the Lord gave me a little revelation. Over, I would say, what was it? A million and a half children were killed in the Holocaust? At least, that's a conservative number. At least a million and a half were killed in the Holocaust. And what the Lord was showing me is that by having our children and teaching them to love the Jewish people and to do the things we need to do, God is going to replace that loss. Pretty cool, isn't it? Wow, like all your sons and daughters love Jewish people. They love Israel. All, they, they see Beit Tehillah. All these children love Jewish people and love Israel. Yeah, they'll be just crying. Amen? That's a good word. So let's lay a little foundation here because we have a breach of promise. Remember, God's established everything. You were born for such a time as this, and and this is where it's going to get really, really good. Here we go. Abraham's seed in Galatians 3.29. Let's read the public reading of Scriptures. Let's read it. And if you be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Does everybody see that? Now, there's so much packed in here. I want to break it down for you so you understand that I'm here to confirm why you're here. I want to confirm what's already inside of you that's inside of me, that's in you, that's in me, that's in you and me, that's in us, hopefully, for most of you. If not, this day will come. This word seed is the Greek word sperma. It means something sown or offspring, okay? It is spiritual, but it's physical. It's spiritual and physical together. Now, this word heirs, I love this. It's the Greek word chloronomos. So it's like Geronimo or something. Chloronomos! What are you? I'm chloronomos. I'm an heir. It means inheritor. A sense of partitioning, getting by appointment, sharer by lot. So when I share all these verses among Christianity or evangelicals or my pastor friends, I tell them, all of this is yours for the taking. Don't you want a piece of that? Don't you want to be a part of the kingdom? Don't you want to be a part of the kingdom? Righteousness, joy, peace in the Holy Ghost. Everybody wants to be a part of the kingdom. Come on, everybody. See how I slipped that in there? Some of you want to bust out in song right now. Now, listen, if I'm in Christ, I'm Abraham's seed. Case over. I'm in Christ. I'm Abraham's seed. I'm an heir. Oh, I got something coming to me. I'm like the real estate attorney or the inheritance attorney to tell you, and this is what God has for you, but you won't answer the door. Do you think it's Jehovah Witness? Notice you haven't seen any Jehovah Witnesses during the coronavirus? I think that's wise. I'm not getting the door. We're not supposed to be around anybody. Right? Don't go knocking on people's doors. It's not a good time to be in sales. I saw you jump behind the couch. Come on, are you with me? Are you with me? Listen, don't sit on your blessed assurance. I'm going to heaven. Oh, come on, people. Let's get some stuff before we get there. <laughs> what about this word promise? 
Epigelia. Oh, that sounds incredible, doesn't it? Chloronymus. Epigelia. Epigelia. Go to Olive Garden. Would you like the eggplant? No, I'll have epigelia. It means an announcement for information, assent, or pledge, especially a divine assurance of good. Message. I'm here to give you a divine assurance of good with the Lord. It's not what I'm going to give you. It's not what I'm telling you. It's what he's going to give you. It is a divine assurance of good. Have you ever just eaten like a dessert? Divine desserts. Oh, this is so divine. That's God with us. It's so divine. This isn't just banana pudding. This is divine. This was made with care and extra wafers. This is divine but we just blow God off. Oh, I got eternal life. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to play a harp and have some tea. Come on, people. There's, what, what, before you go on cloud nine, what are you doing? So th- that's a powerful verse, man. I highlight it. I circle it. That's, I'm just giving you some, a few little things. Th- these are verses that Tommy Waller uses, Ayovel uses. Romans 11, 17, let's read it. Graft it in, let's read it. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree, wert grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree. What is Paul saying? He he got the revelation. You know, Paul was taken on the backside of the desert for like three years, and he was downloaded so much stuff. How many know what I'm talking about? The gift of tongues, download, interpretation. He was downloaded that. Spiritual warfare, put on the armor of God. It was a download from God to set up the church government, the ministries. It was a download. He was, he was practicing Judaism. But God downloading the church government, downloaded him to teachers, apostles, and all these things. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Because it can't be a free-for-all. Commonwealth of Israel, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Let's read it that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but, which is in conjunction, now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Wow, that's powerful. Once you were not a people, but now you're a people right? That's incredible. So I shared with you that if, 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 you, you know, if you're in Christ, you're Abraham's seed. I shared with you about being grafted in. I shared with you about the commonwealth of Israel. These are all verses that, that, that Hayavel would use. But now we're going to move into the, the main course here, the promised land template. It's found in Exodus chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. I'm not going to read those verses, but I have a slide that's next to it that's going to just lay it out and what it's all really about. This is the template for the promised land. We have Moses and the elders of Israel. We also have the reference of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob within these three scriptures. And then also we have leaving Egypt after 430 years, God saying it's time for some fruition. It's time to do the deal. Amen. So let's keep moving you on. So this is what's going to happen. This is the deal. The 430 years are up. Bring you into the land of the Canaanites, Heatites, Amorites, Perizzites, Heavites, Jebusites, and the Termites, flowing with milk and honey. 
Now I'm going to bring you into this area. It's like the International House of Pancakes. There's going to be a bunch of different people in there, but there's milk and honey, rest assured. He says this, tell the king of Egypt that the God of the Hebrews wants his people to go on a three days journey into the wilderness to make sacrifices. Remember what Pharaoh said, I don't know who this God is, right? Because you had Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you had all this happen. They went into, they went into captivity in Egypt. They went down into Egypt. They lost their religion. They lost it, okay? And so now this, this Pharaoh is being challenged. And so we have to look at this adventure now as they're going to come out. Let's look at the book of Numbers can be broken up into three parts. The book of Numbers can be broken up into three parts. This is based upon the Jensen's Old Testament survey. Let's look at part one. We have the preparation for the journey. Chapters one through nine. This is at Sinai, and it was only a few weeks, okay? Chapters one through nine was at Sinai a few weeks. Would all of you agree with that? Part one. Let's go to part two. Part two is the journey itself. It's chapters, chapter 10 through 21. This is to Moab. So geographically speaking, they're making their way to Moab, the plains of Moab. This took about 39 years for this to take place. Okay. Do you see part two? Here's the best part. Part three is at the gate to the land, chapters 22 through 36 at Moab, only a few months. Now, can you guys testify that this move of God that you've witnessed just even at Beit Tehillah is accelerating? It's accelerating. Things are happening quickly, suddenly, right? So what are you saying, Pastor Nick? So when you think about 39 years and then you go into a few months, see, this is where all of you have to be laser-focused because the enemy is going to start picking you off one by one. He wants to pick you off. He wants to pull you away. He wants to get you caught up in something that you don't need to be caught up in. You have to set aside that sin that so easily besets you. You have to be adamant. You have to be focused, goal-oriented, task-oriented. You have to be locked in because he's taking people out. Why? Because you're going to see at Baal Peor, they were just about ready to go into the land, and, and all of a sudden these, you know, beautiful women come into the camp. And look what happened. They went from sexual immorality to idolatry, which is a reverse of the golden calf incident. The golden calf incident was idolatry that turned into sexual immorality. So what are you saying, Pastor Nick? Idolatry and sexual immorality are really synonymous. You can't have one without the other. So just think about this because these are real issues. How many of these are real issues in our culture right now? And we know what we're talking about. You ever just point something out that's wrong in the world? or with the culture, it's too easy now. It's easy pickings. It's easy pickings. So remember now, the window's closing in on us. So there's a small window here for us to, to, to look at, okay? So just keep that in mind. So let's move on, because I believe we're at the gate to the land. This is what I feel like in my spirit. I believe we're on the verge of something incredible that we've all waited for, and now it's time to participate. The story of the spies going into the land can be found in the Torah portion, Shalach Lecha, send forth. Numbers 13, verse 1, all the way through chapter 15 and verse 41. How many of you are familiar with that? Very good. Let's move on here. Uh, moving on. 
the spies consisted of one leader from each of the 12 tribes. Do you see that? It's all about accountability. It's like the three branches of government in America. We have, of course, uh, 12 leaders, one from each tribe. Numbers 13, verses 17 through 25. Let's move on. Now, the spies entered the land from the south. How many of you know that? Numbers 13, 17. The spies entered the land from the south. We would say the Negev, okay? So they go in, and they're going to, right? So let's look at it. Moses told them to bring back the fruit of the land, and it was the time of the first ripe grapes. Season of summer. Wow, today is summer. So this time of year, even now, we're, we're finishing up June, going to go into July, how many of the little grapes are going to show up on these vineyards in Israel? You guys know. Do you think there's any grapes on there right now? Are they really, really small? Or are they coming? Because you guys know you've been there. Charles, what do you think? They're coming. Okay, so, so here, here it is. So the grape harvest begins in August and September in Israel. So we still have June and July, but the grape harvest begins in August and September in Israel. Isn't that the coolest thing? And Hayavel can be credited uh, basically on an average of harvesting 350 tons of grapes. Now, how many of you know when someone says, show me your fruit? Well, I was a part of 350 tons of grapes. I'm like, give me some of that Welch's. You know what I'm saying? I want Welch's. I need some Welch's. Give me some of that. See, the Torah portions are relevant. This is 3,500 years ago, and we're reading this. And it still applies today. The spies brought back grapes, pomegranates, and figs, and some knickknacks that cost a dollar each. One dollar. Some of you got that. That's Numbers 13, 23. Little camels made out of olive wood. And some Israel hats. And what else? So it took the 12 spies 40 days to spy out the land. Numbers 13, 25. What does the number 40 mean? Testing or a trial, right? Now, moving on, the spies said that the land flowed with milk and honey. Numbers 13, this is what they said. And then let's read this verse in Numbers 13, 30. Let's read this verse together. This is Caleb. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. it you know, so Caleb was given a good report, wasn't he? Caleb is on the safety team today. He's securing us. He's out there in the lobby somewhere. Some of you didn't get that. Ten of the 12 spies gave an evil report. Ten of the 12 spies gave an evil report. Now, hear me out on this. I want to make it very clear. I've been studying Torah for over 20 years. Make it very clear to you. God did not send people or the spies into the land to see if they could take it or not. He sent them in as tourists, okay? Free parking, all you can eat, all you can drink, like a theme park. He says, I want you to go check this out because you're getting all of it. But what happened? They believed the cup was half empty, not half full. So they came back. They said, there's fortified cities. There's giants in the land, you know. 
But Caleb and Joshua are like, but did you see the size of those grapes? See, it's how you look at these. Listen, it's no different today, everyone. People think you're crazy to go to Israel. Oh, it's not safe. I'm like, are you related to one of the 10 spies? Because it didn't work out too good for them. Listen, people that are critical or afraid, I'll I'll put it to you like this. They're not going to the land. That's good because I need all I can get. You laugh, but it's true. When there's less people, there's more food. When there's less people, there's more land. Mo land. Mo. I want some mo. Listen, you guys, this is not too far-fetched. It's not far-fetched. All of us have to live somewhere. But my question is, if God allows you to move to Israel, provide for you, would you go? Thank you. Thought I was at the wrong church. You got to live somewhere. And then my mind started, because I like Rick Steves Europe. Poor Rick Steves. He's in deep depression right now, you know, because nobody's traveling. Keep trip After the coronavirus. Some of you didn't get that. Rick Steves Europe, help me out. I'm older. I watch PBS, WEDU. Rick Steves goes to all these countries. If you lived in Israel, you're two hours from Greece, Right? You could go to Turkey and see the seven churches. We get excited. We get to go to Orlando, right? Pay $100, sweat, and don't get on a single ride. That was fun. Where'd we park? <laughs> I told my wife one time, we all went to Disney World. We were sweating, waiting in the line. And I said, I can't believe we're doing this. I can't believe it. Just sweating. I mean, you talk about the fast pass, that, that'll save you some time. I saw where they put the time up there, like 30, 60, 90. Man, this one said 2021. I'm like, there ain't no way, man. I'm not waiting in that line. I actually thought about rigging up some kind of a stool that would strap to my back, and I just flip the, 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 the bottoms out and just sit. I was thinking, I got to come up with something, because, man, this is crazy. This is nuts. But this is what we do. And that's fun. So 10 spies gave a bad report. Listen, your testimony is so important right now. You got to tell people the Hebrews of the Christian faith movement is cool. It's awesome. It's fun. It's brought me closer to God and and to with my brothers and sisters and my faith. See, they got to be drawn to something. Not going after the church and saying, you're not doing it right. You got to do this. You got to do that. You can't do that. So these 10 spies, you know, gave an evil report. I'm telling you the story that's in the Bible. Ten people affected 1.5 million people. Listen to me closely. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Your negative response is going to keep you out of the land. And God is going to start taking people out in the earth that get in his way. Why? Because he wants us to receive the promise. The Bible talks about Don't put stumbling stones in your brother's path. Don't cause your brother or sister to stumble. And so what I'm telling you is that if you truly want everything that God has for you, carry a good report. Don't leave home without it. Aren't you scared to go? I'm scared of Lithia Pinecrest Road. I'm not scared of Israel. Have you been to Atlanta? I didn't realize there were like eight lanes. That's terrifying. 
We're in the middle, and there's some over here, and some I'm like, ah, uh, ah, uh, eight lanes. I'm like, Where, how big is this highway? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? After that, I go, I go another way. So now, listen, poor Moses, they didn't go to Moses. They started spreading the evil report. Moses like, wait a minute, what are you doing? We're supposed to have a meeting. How could you do that? See, before he could even stop it, they had already spread it. That's how the enemy works. He starts spreading something before you get all the facts. He'll start spreading something that isn't even true. The people murmur, Numbers 14, verses 1 through 10. Moving on here. The people murmur. I'm just giving you the highlights. Moving on. Numbers 14, 1. Let's read it. All the children of Israel lifted up their voices, cried and wept that night after they heard the evil report. Numbers 14, 1. So God brought them out to what? To bring them in. So hear me out on this. God didn't bring you into the Hebrews or the Christian faith movement for you to sit in a purple chair the rest of your time. He didn't do that. He's not doing that. I've arrived. You like my little Jerusalem, Tommy? He says, yeah, that's the problem. He says, you're not focused on the real Jerusalem. I was like, oh, man. And all of a sudden, you know, I was on the road to Emmaus. Oh, man. But he told the truth. So what are you saying, Pastor? That was back in 2017 in the summer. After that, I began to focus and pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Think about Judea and Samaria. Have our Jewish guests here. Why? To keep us focused and in tune with what God wants to do here. He's given us an opportunity. Come on, somebody. Numbers 14, verses 1 and 2. Let's read it. All the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron. They feared that their wives and children would be a prey in the promised land. Why would God bring them out into the wilderness to kill them? It doesn't make sense to me. You've already left Egypt. It's destroyed. It's almost like you can't go back. He'll, he'll create things in your life. You can't go back. Some of you are wondering, Pastor Nick, am I where I need to be? Thank you, great. You're saying, am I where I need to be? Let me give you some advice. If you could go back, I encourage you to go back. But if you're like, I can't go back, you're right where God wants you. I'm just saying. I'm in the same boat. I got five acres. I got three buildings and, and a shed. It's got lights and locks. I'm fancy. I'm, I'm big time. It means nothing. Why? Because God wants obedience. God wants us to go to the next step. And you got to be unselfish. Because guess what? He's going to use people to reach people. The children of Israel wanted to appoint a captain and return back to Egypt, Numbers 14.4. See, even they understood undercover. Even they understood in rebellion, you need a rebellious leader to go back. The Motley crew says, well, let's go against God and let's take the land anyway. And they knew they would need somebody to do that. And what happens? Immediate intercession. Moses and Aaron fell on their faces, Numbers 14, 5. The best thing you can do for all these protesters and looting and all these lawlessness and, and crimes that are committed and even towards injustice is we need to pray and have intercession. That's why the altar of incense is here. You know, most people go to these protests just to see what's going on. Hey, I'm with uh, NBC and uh, just want to ask you, why are you here? Well, well, you know, I was at home, and I heard a bunch of people were coming down here, and I just wanted to check it out. Well, how do you feel about this or that? I don't know. I just, I just came down here. 
Curiosity killed the cat. Thanks for that, Linda. Satisfaction brought him back. Just killed my saying. Watch out. Don't do a saying because there'll be another saying, you know. So that's like, that reminds me, you know, I I had somebody was saying that, uh, you know, you, you, you can't, you know, you can't lead a horse to water and make him drink. You just, you just can't do it. And the guy says, oh, yeah, I put salt in his oats. You thirsty? Where's the water? Out of all of the 12 spies, only two gave a good report, and they were Joshua, who was an Ephraimite, tribe of Ephraim, and Caleb, who represents Judah, a Judite. Numbers 14, verses 6 through 9. Does everybody see that? So you need two witnesses to establish something, always. Even, even the Lord says, I call heaven and hell against you, <laughs> heaven and earth. It's all right there. The witnesses, heaven and earth against you, right? Well, here's Caleb and Joshua. They were here last week visiting. Pretty cool, huh? Look how nice that is. That's amazing. Just think, that is amazing, that artwork. So moving on here, the congregation wanted to stone Joshua and Caleb until the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle. Have you noticed that people just want to rain down on your parade? You're so excited about Israel and and the Jewish people, and they just want to stone you. They just want to stone you and shut you down, but they can't because God wants you to declare this. You know, the Lord has told me, I don't want you to hold back anything I've given you. Tell everybody. There was a time when when he would say, I I need you to hold back. He's like, no, you tell them everything. Tell them everything, answer all their questions, do it. I mean, that's pretty cool. Tell everybody. Because it's the gospel. I am preaching the gospel to you right now. The Lord wanted to smite the children of Israel with pestilence and disinherit them and give them the coronavirus earlier. That's in the NIV. The Lord wanted to take Moses and make a greater nation mightier than the children of Israel. I'll just take you, Moses, and make a people, because, you know, you're listening, you're doing, you know. So what happens? Moses hears this. He's having this conversation with the Lord. So Moses intercedes for the children of Israel, and the Lord pardons the people. Numbers 14, verses 13 through 20. See, we have to make intercession or you'll lose your mind. You won't be towards the people. You'll be so disheartened. And what's the word? You become cynical or jaded. I use the word jaded. Numbers 14, verses 20 and 21. Let's read it. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word, but as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Remember, after a lot of negativity, after a lot of goofy stuff, incredible things always happen. How many know what I'm talking about? The children of Israel mess up, and then God comes back and he says, okay, let's go over the offerings again. Let's go over this again. He picks up where he left off, business as usual. He just picks, and that's why everything you're seeing in the earth today, I believe is, it's gonna, we're gonna write, it's gonna be right. It's gonna, we're gonna write the course of this, of this terrible stuff that's happening around us. Amen. Matter of fact, conservatism is growing in the world. Conservatism is growing in the world. You're you're just hearing a small minority, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the oil kind of thing, but it's a small minority that's causing all the trouble. It's kind of like the mixed multitude among the children of Israel. It's a minority, but they're the ones being heard. 
or it's being promoted. But let me remind you that it's not true. So here's the question. Why is the act of personal intercession better than pointing the finger in judgment at others who have fallen short? Remember, people criticize what they don't understand. It's just our nature. They'll criticize what they don't understand. Before you judge the Mormons or the Jehovah, make sure you know that religion, that you know that faith before you are critical because you don't even know anything about it. But you spout off, and then you don't give the respect that's due to, to have a good conversation. So here we go. So 10 times the people tempted the Lord and refused to hear his voice. Numbers 14, 22. So well, God is the only one who keeps a record of wrongs. Now 10 times, right? You've tempted me. You know, I, I, I don't think I've counted that high for my children. Maybe if I took each child and added it up. But remember, have you ever told your child, I've told you three times? God's like, I've told you 10 times. Nothing's changed. We're still his children. Numbers 14, 29, here's a judgment. Look at this. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness and all that were numbered of you according to your whole number from 20 years old and upward, which have murmured against me. Numbers 14, 29. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness. Remember, we're talking about you're the seed, you're an heir, you have the promise, you need to understand this. Come on, Pentecostals, don't you want to go to the next level? You Hebrew Costals, we got to go to the next level. Why would he bring you along and fill you with his spirit to just blow up like a Macy's Day Parade? Boom. No, he's given you all of this so you can propel yourself and move forward. Amen? Man, this is a good word. The only two people over 20 that was going into the land was Joshua and Caleb, Numbers 14, 30. The only two people over 20. Amen? And there's a picture. Do you guys remember these guys? They keep showing up. So let's move on here because we're getting to the breach of promise. That's the title of the teaching. And, and the Lord's just told me, you tell them this. There's been a breach of the promise. So the Lord stated that he would bring their little ones into the land, Numbers 14, 31. Oh, and by the way, in Jeremiah 31, 8, it talks about children entering into the land in the last days. Jeremiah 31, 8. Those with child, those that have child, uh, Jeremiah 31, 8. Pretty cool, huh? Now, we're getting right into the meat of it. Here we go. You guys are doing so good. Here's the breach of promise in Numbers 14, 34. You need to understand this. There's been a breach of promise. Let's read it together. Verse 34, read it together. After the number of the days in which you search the land, even 40 days, each day for a year, shall ye bear your iniquities, even 40 years, and you shall know my breach of promise. You shall know my breach of promise. Notice the 40 years. Do you guys understand this? Now, do we have an example, just real quickly, where he punished them for 70 years? in the Babylonian captivity. For the 70 years, you didn't keep this and this and this. I'm going to punish you. I'm taking you out of the land, and I'm chastising you. Now, here we go. Let's look at this. So I would say as a father, as a parent, when I look back, when my dad would scold me, he would say, son, this is how you disappointed me. I'm disappointed in you. This is what you did. And he would tell me, you know what I'm saying? And I would listen. And even to this day, I realized I was wrong. He was right. So here's the breach of promise. 
It means the altering of my purpose. Now, I've given you these promises, God says, and I'm going to bring you into the land. I want to give you all these things. Oh, and by the way, I've got some evil people in the land that I want to replace. I need you to do that. But if you don't do that, you'll be just like them. Have you guys thought about this? Wow, is God a racist? You can find verses where he says, I'm bringing you into the land to get rid of evil people. So why? So his children can occupy what they're supposed to occupy. Thank you, Holy Spirit. This is why we got kicked out of the Garden of Eden, because we broke his commandment. We ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God's like, if you want to be my children, this is what you need to do. But if you want to be Satan's children, Genesis 3.15, then just do that. Do like the nations are doing. Do like they're doing. But that's not what I've called you to be or do. Come on, somebody. This breach of promise means a fault, opposition, what one has against another, alienation, by implication, enmity. So everything that God was sharing them in this promise, they breached with the opposite. You know, it's like, you know, if I were to tell one of my teenage children, I'm going to get you an iPhone, a really nice iPhone, right? And then they turn around and say, no, you're not. You're going to get me a rotary phone. You're going to give me the home phone landline in the kitchen. That's what you're going to give me. And I'm like, no, I'm telling you, I'm going to give you an iPhone. 11. Oh, look at all the young people. <laughs> 11. See, I'm trying to relate to the young people because I want to bring them into the land. So we have this breach of promise, and it means you're altering my purpose. So what are you saying, Pastor Nick? If you would say to me, well, I don't, I don't believe we can go in the land. You've just breached the promise. I don't believe Beit the Hila's going. You have breached the promise of God. Guess what? You don't have to go. I'm not saying we're going next week. Maybe two weeks. My wife's like, we're not ready to go anywhere. I said, well, we better be. What, what, is, what does it say even in, in the Olivet Discourse? Don't go back to get anything. I'm just saying. How many Jews wish they would have left Germany when they needed to? Well, we knew we needed to go, but we thought the dust would settle. But no, whole families were murdered. Eliezer, I think half of his family was murdered in Germany. They didn't leave. So we got to have our spiritual antennas up and make the right decisions. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? So, so here's unbelief, and I'm only going to highlight some things for the sake of time. This word unbelief in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 19, go check out Hebrews chapter 3. The whole thing is incredible. It even talks about entering into rest, a true Shabbat for us to rest. But this is what Hebrews 3.19 says for the sake of time. Here we go. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Pastor Nick, I don't believe this stuff that you're sharing. Then go believe what you want. I'm just, I'm just an ambassador. I'm, I'm just an ambassador. I'm telling you what God's offering you. You don't have to take it. You don't have to take it. You don't have to take it. It's not about me. I'm not drawing you to me. I'm drawing you to him and what he wants to give you. Now I know how Moses felt. That Pastor Nick, he's a quack. He's lost it. Now this word unbelief is in the, in the Strong's Concordance is number 570. It's the Greek word apistia. That doesn't even sound nice. You're full of apistia. 
And it means disbelief or unfaithfulness. Honey, it's okay. They don't have coronavirus. They got a pistia. Full of it. Full of a pistia. Listen, I didn't make up the word. It's right there. Look it up in your Strong's Concordance. You know, it's my second favorite book after the Bible. The Bible and the Strong's Concordance. And then the bait of Satan. <laughs> John Bevere. You guys can laugh. You, you need to laugh. Church is fun. My kids are up at 7.30. Are we going to church? I said, yeah, eventually. It starts at 11. Just lay back down. Seriously. Dad, can we go to church early? I said, you know what? I didn't even hear a rooster, man. Could you go back to bed, right? Can we go to church? Can we go to church? I said, all right, all right, just wait. That's a good sign. How many of you know that? If you've got to drag somebody out of bed to go to church, you know that's not good. Let them sleep. Let the dead bury the dead. Call them Lazarus. Whatever you got to do. I'm sorry. I love church. I love church. I've loved church ever since I discovered it. So here's a quote. We must be careful that we do not alter God's purpose found within his plan of redemption. I'll give you an example. We have to be careful that we do not alter God's purpose found within his plan of redemption. So what are you saying, Pastor Nick? Listen, there's natural branches and there's wild branches. You don't have to be Jewish to be Israel. You're a wild branch. Listen, wild thing. Listen, I'm, I, I think I love you. But I want to know for sure. I could be quoting Born to be Wild, but I don't even think that song has a good ending. They just stay wild. Oh, they're wild like a feral cat. Here's a quote. We must know the promises of God and be actively living them out. If we don't tell our young people about Israel and how important it is, where are they going to go? What are they going to do? What are they going to look forward to? So in James chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, let's look at faith and works. Let's look at faith and works. Let's read it. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. The Jews don't care what you believe. Demons believe, amen? Demons believe. They want to know what, you, what you're doing, not what you believe. I'm moving on here. Numbers 14, verses 35 through 30. So what is the result of the breach of promise? Let's check it out. Where's Jeremy at? Am I, did I hit an hour? Okay, thank you. I still have 15 minutes. God bless you. I, I lose track of time. I don't know why I wear this thing. What time is it? I don't know. Numbers 14, 35. I've saved the best for last, everybody. Because This ending is going to blow your mind. If you don't remember last year, I added a little bit to it. But this, is, this blew my mind. Breach of promise, Numbers 14, verses 35 through 38. Let's read it. I, the Lord, have said, I will surely do it unto all this evil congregation that are gathered together against me in this wilderness. They shall be consumed, and there they shall die. And the men which Moses sent to search the land, who returned and made all the congregation to murmur against him by bringing up a slander upon the land. 
here it goes. Here's the judgment. Even those men that did bring up the evil report upon the land died by the plague before the Lord. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of the men that went to search the land, lived still. There's a right way and a wrong way to do Hebrew roots. We can't afford to do it the wrong way. I, I'm scared to death. I can't afford to lead you in the wrong. It'll be 18 years this November that I've been the pastor here, and I fear every day that I do it right because I fear God. And I get a lot of ridicule. I get a lot of things. A prophet is not without honor except the Beit Hila. But it doesn't bother me because I told you the truth. And he's going to hug me. and He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Beit Hila is a special community. God can trust us. God is opening up doors for us that nobody else will get to go through. Why? Because he can trust us with the people that he loves. Do you understand that? That means a lot to me. It means a lot to me. That means we're on the right course. Man, that's good stuff. So the 10 men gave an evil report and they were taken out by a plague. That judgment came quickly, did it not? Let's go back to Joshua and Caleb because I need a happy picture. Thank you. I think I've seen that before. Here we go. I'm going to finish it up. The revelation was given to me last year. I want to show you something very interesting. This is a fresh revelation with the promise of God. I love how this plays out. So interesting. A fresh revelation with the promise of God. How many of you want a fresh revelation? Okay, good, good. Here we go. All right, we're going to finish up here. I've saved the best for last. Once again, if you want this PowerPoint, contact Kathy. She'll give it to you. I've been giving out my PowerPoints to my pastor friends and everything. It's been really great. Ashley, Tommy asked me for some teachings and things, and I put a folder together, and, you know, the Lord be with him after all that, right? Oh. So let's check out. So here we go. I'm, I'm going to give you my, my divine appointment here. On Thursday morning, June 27th, 2019, uh, which is interesting, that's my brother's birthday, Last year, I was laying in my bed and I felt the inspiration of the Holy Spirit telling me to look up the word promise in my 1957 Webster's Dictionary. I mean, a lot of definitions are being changed today. Not for the better, and I'm not going to go there. So I go to my 1957 Webster's Dictionary. Once again, I want you to look up the word promise, and I want you to go to this dictionary. How many of that's God? That's not something I made up. Webster's New World Dictionary of the American Language, 1957. Boy, the 50s were good, weren't they? Then in the 60s, it all went downhill. Okay, here's the word promise. Let's move on. Here's the word promise. An oral or written agreement to do or not to do something, a vow. Would you all agree? Hey, but you promised. Peaky promise. Still promised. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Like the candidates, they all keep their promises, right? What's a promise? An oral or written agreement to do or not to do something, a vow. So my kids would tell, Daddy, you said when you came home we could go swimming. I went, oh, yeah, I did, didn't I? I don't feel too good. But you know what? I go out there. Why? Because I promised, you know. And there's nothing worse than having a small child, a little one, not the big ones because the big ones, you know, they know everything. But the little ones come to you. And they'll go, Daddy, you said you're a man of your word. The little ones. I'm like, 
you've been through some kind of camp or something, some kind of reprogramming. But what do you do? Makes you feel like, oh, they're right. I am a man of my word. <laughs> Let me get through this one slide, and I know it might be a little risque, but I want to read it to you because it, it just needs to be said. Because we're living in times, these kids are exposed to so many things. This is what it says. Interesting fact, the word found before promise is the word promiscuous as an adjective. And it means, number one, consisting of different elements mixed together or mingled without sorting or discrimination. Number two, characterized by a lack of discrimination, specifically engaging in sexual intercourse indiscriminately or with many persons. That's tough. That's what that word means, promiscuous. Number three, without plan or purpose, casual. Do you see why betrothal is so important? Courtship is so important, right? Because what it's with the intention to marry. Does everybody understand that? Now, I read you the definition. You see it, promiscuous is promiscuous. Let's go ahead and let's go to the next slide. So this is a picture of the word promiscuous at the very bottom. Does everybody see that? You have to get this. You can't make this stuff up. So the word promiscuous, because I'm supposed to look up the word promise. So there's the word promiscuous, right? Now, Numbers 11.4. In Numbers 11.4, and it's not a slide, it says, God sends quail. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a-lusting, and the children of Israel also wept again and said, who shall give us flesh to eat? The mixed multitude. Somebody see that? And actually, this mixed multitude is number 628 in the Strong's Concordance. It is the word asafsuf. Asafsuf. It means gathered up together. It means a promiscuous assemblage of people. Numbers 11.4. Now, remember, a mixed multitude came out of Egypt. That's dealing with people in general, like threads of a cloth that are sewn together. That's like all of us. We're a bunch of mongrels. You know, the mutts make the best dogs. You ever get that? Those purebreds, they get sick and die. Spent $2,000 in that purebred. The mutt lives to be like 30. <laughs> Dog's older than me. <laughs> That's not even dog years. So what I'm saying is that this, this promiscuous is there. So now let's move to the next word. Interesting fact, the word promise means an oral or written agreement to do or not to do something or a vow. See, I took a vow to the Lord when Pastor Randy died, and I was always concerned about Yeshua and how he came after the leadership in the New Testament for different reasons. But I made a vow to the Lord. I said, you were really upset by turning those tables over and things. You were really angry. Mostly, he really, Yeshua rebuked leadership. If you go back and look at it, he never beat up sinners or treated them poorly, but he always came against the leaders and what they were doing and teaching and, the, you know, the, the loving of the Pharisees and all that. So I made a vow to the Lord, and I'll, I'll share it with you. I said, Lord, whatever you share with me and show me, I will give it to your people. I don't want you turning my tables over. I don't want you to be angry with me. You know, there are pastors right now that celebrate Shabbat, but they won't even share it with their congregation. You wouldn't believe the stuff that's out there. What are you afraid of? Do you guys, let's go to the next slide. Is the word promise up there? Do you see it? Do you see the word promise? Now, it's after 
What? What word? Promiscuous. Promiscuous is on the other page in, in, the, in the Bible or in the dictionary. So here's an interesting fact. Let's look at it. The word found after the word promise is the word promise land, which means land of promise. Promiscuous, promise, promise land. <laughs> Some of you are getting it now. Promise, you know, right? Comes after what? Promiscuous, promise land. Let's go to the, let's go to the slide. Promised land. You see it? What's promised land mean? Land of promise. I know. It's like, wow, that's deep. We just changed a few words around. You know what I'm saying? Now, there's, it's like past tense. It's promised land. It's already been promised. <laughs> Isn't that cool? It's, it's past tense. What are you waiting for? Interesting fact, the word found after promised land is the word promisee, which is a noun, and it means a person to whom a promise is made. Are there any promisees in the house? Do you know that there's been promises made to you? I think about the, the group Naked Eyes. It, it, it's a group that, in, from the 80s, and there's a song called Promises, Promises. You guys know. Charles is like, yeah, you go, you go, Pastor Nick. I got your back. But you make me promises, promises knowing you would never keep. Boy, there's nothing worse than broken promises, man. That's painful. Broken promises. But you promised. So promisee is you. See, promisee is me. Now go to the slide. Look, look, there's the picture. I'm almost done, folks. None of you are going to Sweet Tomatoes. I'm telling you that right now. Unless you're on the road to Sweet Tomatoes. You're out front looking at the empty buffet. I know, life's full of disappointments. Get over it. Anyway, um, interesting fact, the word found after promise is the word promiser. It's a noun, and it means a person who promises. Father, you are the promiser. Look, do you see the slide? Now, what's a promiser? person who promises. What is epigelia? A divine assurance of good. So what are you saying, Pastor Nick? What I'm saying is God has made you promises for a divine assurance of good. It's up to you, you if you want to take them or not. Amen? Man, this is good. I'm almost done. Interesting fact. Boy, he's got a lot of interesting facts. The word found after promiser is the word promising. It's a noun, and it means likely to be successful or excellent. What are you saying, Pastor Nick? I'm going to tell you, let's, let's just go to the word. There it is, promising. It means likely to be successful, excellent. I'm telling you, if you love Jewish people and you love Israel, it's very promising. Now let's go to the, the, number, the, the, the words here. Let's go to the words. Pastor Nick, help me out with this. Take a picture. These are the words in order in the dictionary. We're promiscuous. We need the promise. We want to go to the promised land because we're the promisee because we have a promiser, and it's very promising. Ladies and gentlemen, Beit Tehillah. I give you Beit Tehillah. It's so funny. You know, I've never been on a cruise, and I never will probably ever go on a cruise after this coronavirus. 
You know, the, the cruise lines have their own viruses before. Did you guys remember that? Everyone got sick on the boat. I'm like, that doesn't sound like fun. So they say, oh, but it's all you can eat. No, it's all you can barf. All right? So there's a reason why I haven't gotten on a boat, especially after deep sea fishing with Bill Carter. We're not going to talk about that. You talk about the promised land. I just wanted to see land. You know what I'm saying? Oh, it was bad. There's nothing worse than that. You'll feel better as soon as we get on land. I said, are we heading there? Choppy seas, right? Oh, my gosh. What's terrible is that the first time I went out, I was fine. I caught fish. I was cool. Next thing you know, I'm under the boat creating my chum business. I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. Listen, I got nowhere to go, nothing to do. I said, herd up some kids and go home. I, I, I have nothing planned because today is what was planned. Shabbat is planned for me. So check this out. Who is the promise for? Romans 9, 8. Now I'm just going to lay it out for you. Paul understood what I'm teaching you. Remember that. What I'm teaching you, Paul would teach you. That is, let's read it. They which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. So what are you saying, Pastor Nick? Think of this promise, this big seed, this, this promise, this promise is there. Karen's like, I got to get me some of that. Boom. You're the seed. You just preached this, Pastor Nick. You taught this. You laid it out. I want some of that. I want some of that. Boom, you got the promise. Amen? Because here's the deal. And I didn't realize this till, till just recently. Have you ever heard of the carrot on the stick? No, have you ever heard about that? I thought that is the coolest thing because you've got livestock or you put a carrot, you know. I could put like Skittles on a pole and watch kids, you know. Put Twinkies or something and the stick and the, and the carrot, right? So you're like, oh, so you go for the carrot. What if you're like, I'm not going for the carrot. You know what I found out in that saying? You get a stick upside your head. No, seriously, that's what the, it's, it's, like, it's like saying you better take the carrot because if you don't, you're going to get a big stick. Oh, should have went for the carrot. That was my message today. Please go for the carrot. Don't go for the stick. Where's that in the Bible? He's going to rule with a rod of iron and it ain't no stick right? Listen to me, everybody. This is not hype. This isn't sensationalism. This is the word of God. And this word is for us, and it's specific, and it's awesome. And just like preaching, when that word goes out, don't let the devil send his little vultures down and steal this word. You chew on it. You talk about it. You go home. You pray about it. Because I'm telling you, we are going to Israel. We're making bridges to Israel. I'm so excited. I just can't hide it. I'm about to lose control. And I think I like it. The last picture. Beit Tehill are the two witnesses. We are the good witnesses. You are good witnesses. Go home. Listen, this world is in trouble. There's chaos. There's confusion. There's looting, murdering, there's prejudices, there's racism, there is injustice, there's things going on, but you need to embrace this word from God. 
so that we can be spared. Because you can't fall when you're moving towards the inheritance and the promise. Just be open to it. I know some of you are blown away. I understand that. But let God download something in your heart. Let him download something to keep you going. Listen, we're still going to have beta healer. It's not like, you know, I, I thought I'd play a joke on everybody and put a Century 21 sign out front. But some people didn't like that, you know. Hey, man, this place is for sale. I told you they were going. This ain't about we're moving to Israel tomorrow or anything. I'm just saying that. You've taken, how many have taken trips to Israel and you loved it? How would you like to go over there and have a Beit Tehillah place and you can go over there cheaper, just pay your airfare, and I'll feed you the carrot? Would you like that? Right? And then I'll come back and use the stick on the other people. I've always loved Israel. Being the pastor, I can't go over here. That's why Pastor Deacon loved it when I took over. She's like, oh, you're the man. God's really going to use you. I'm going to Israel. I'm like, what? What? I'm telling you, she did it to me. You're a godly man. You know, God chose you out of everybody. And I'm staying over in Israel too. What? What's that? Right? She's been, what, 20-something times? I've been seven. Listen, I had an experience in 2015 on top of Mount Gerizim. I got to put my hands on my sons, Josiah and Nehemiah. I looked over their shoulders. I saw Joseph's tomb, Jacob's well, biblical site. And I said, Yisimka Elohim Kefrim Vichim Manasseh. May God make you a symbol of blessing as did Ephraim Manasseh, 2015. 2016, Micah got to go. We're coming down Mount Gerizim. I got, got off the bus. He pulled over. I got Micah. The vineyards are in the background, and I'm laying my hands on him. Yesim ka Elohim, Kefirim v'chi Manasseh. May God make you a symbol of blessing as it did for him, Manasseh. So there are my three sons, right? Da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da. So God's like, okay, you did the three sons. Now I'm going to give you another daughter. You know, daughters are, are awesome. Well, they just love on me. I told my wife, I said, you could learn so much about affection from children. You should take notes right now. She's like, no, that's good. That's fine. Good. Let them take care of you. I'm done with you. I'm going to go take a nap. But they're so sweet. Women, women, listen, you women are awesome. I love women. I think women are the greatest thing that happened to this earth. I'm just, I'm going to tell you straight up. Women, you rock. You are awesome. You are just so detailed and just complicated. I'm telling you, you know, I mean, really, you, you guys got downloaded some extra, you know, things. And so I'm just like, wait, the women are, they are really special, you know. It's like that Billy Joel song. But she's always a woman to me. <laughs> but why do I say that? Because listen, listen, Adam was crazy for Eve. He was trying to get that rib back. That's what we're doing. We're just trying to get our rib back. We're just crazy about you women. But, but you women are so awesome. And, and it really touched my heart what Josiah said. He was coming up with some creative ideas. And he, and he told me, he, he said, you know, Esther the musical, but he had some other ideas about some plays dealing with great matriarchs in the Bible. And my own son said, you know, I don't think the women in the Bible are represented like they could be. And so he's inspired to do, you know, some of these, uh, you know, musicals and things based upon women in the Bible like Ruth and Deborah. And I was like, you go, boy. You're really going to be sucking up to your mother now. But, but 
but this is the heart that we have to have for one another, right? I mean, and that's the beauty of it. So let me encourage you. We're going into summer. It's going to start getting hot. But just begin to, you know, listen, my dad said, you take away a man's dreams, he has nothing. Be a dreamer. I dream about being in the land. I love it. There's some incredible places over there. It's really awesome. It's a beautiful place. If you haven't been, you're going to go. Eventually, we are going to live there. You heard what Tommy Waller said. I don't want to be in Tennessee going up. I want to be in the land. So last week, you had a gentleman, right, that used to live in Tennessee. He lives in Harbor now. And he came and gave us a message from the Mount of Blessing. Do you guys understand that? He's like telling Christianity, evangelicals, hey, we need to get Christians over to the land of Israel. And he's crying out. He's saying, we got to do this thing. And what's happened is he's met with a lot of Christian leaders and evangelicals. All they say is, hey, we love Israel. We love the Jewish people. You go ahead and go do what you got to do. We're back here. We're good. It's not time for that anymore. God's pulling out the Christians that want to go over there. Imagine if you could go over there for four or five weeks and, and, and go back and forth and really enjoy the lay of the land and be a part of something and show the, the love towards the Jewish people that they so deserve. They're the chosen people. So be encouraged. You know, there's a lot of false prophets. There's a lot of false teachings. I, I would say doctrines of demons. You have to get into this word. Would you agree that I preach the word of God to you today? I preach the word of God to you today. I go back, listen, I can't make this stuff up. I'm not that smart. I mean, I love people. I might be a little charismatic, but I'm not the sharpest crayon in the box. But this is what it's about. You have this in the spirit. It'll change your life. It'll bring you out of depression. It'll give you a purpose to live. It'll give you something to look forward to. Amen? So, Father, thank you for this word. Let it come back a hundredfold. Let it come back a hundredfold. Thank you, Father, that we are aware of the evil one. We submit ourselves to you. We resist the devil. He will flee from us. You have an inheritance for us, Father. We are heirs according to the promises that you have made, and we know, we know that it's ours for the taking. And we receive it in Yeshua's name. Amen. Praise the Lord, everyone. Once again, Pastor Nick at twopraise.net. Shoot me an email. Give me your thoughts. Give me some things that you even share a dream with me or whatever. Uh, ask some questions or give me some uh, inputs about what God is showing you. And I really appreciate all of you. Amen. Amen. Amen.